1: I think of him sometimes in terms of the TV character Columbo, who <laughs> who seemed bumbling at first, and until he'd figured out what it was that he wanted to ask, and then he pinned it down. And Henry had this, started slow until he got a sense of the audience and and the listeners, and then uh, and then there was a point where he would prop his glasses up on his forehead, and his friends referred to this as the war can't. And all of a sudden, he would go from just ordinary discourse to transcendent oratory. And it was apparently really something amazing to experience.
0: John Kukla has directed research and publishing at the Library of Virginia and directed the historic New Orleans Collection and the Red Hill, the Patrick Henry National Memorial in Charlotte County, Virginia. He is the author of Mr. Jefferson's Women and A Wilderness So Immense, The Louisiana Purchase and the Destiny of America, as well as many scholarly articles and reviews. He has held research fellowships in the British Museum, the Virginia Historical Society, and the International Center for Jefferson Studies at Monticello, and has been a distinguished lecturer for the Organization of American Historians. He is here to discuss his book, Patrick Henry, Champion of Liberty. John, thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Delighted to be here.
0: We hear about Patrick Henry in learning about history, but so often it's about the one speech, give me liberty or give me death. But your book reveals how he was as much a revolutionary as anybody in Massachusetts, and he was kind of the Sam Adams of Virginia. Talk a bit about his other contributions.
1: Sure. Well, one of the things that makes Henry unusual, I suppose, for his, even for his generation, is the fact that he was involved in so much of the era of the Revolution. You know, he first came on the scene in the Parsons Cause in 1763. That particular legal thing uh, dealt with some of the same constitutional issues of uh, the relationship between the colonies and uh, and the authority of Parliament and the king that then uh, arose in the Stamp Act. Uh, in 1765 with the Stamp Act crisis and then arguably uh, uh, the, the issues, the constitutional issues defined in the Stamp Act crisis were pretty much the same ones that were uh, fought over in the War for Independence starting in 76. And then Henry continued to be involved in in politics through the 1790s. So he was was very much involved in the early years of the movement toward a strengthened Continental Congress that then ultimately becomes the movement toward writing and ratifying a new constitution. He was uh, opposed to the ratification of the constitution, wanted a, a little bit fearful about the transfer of what he felt was too much power to the federal government and also the need for a better definition of American liberties, which ultimately leads to the Bill of Rights. He retires from active politics in Virginia in the very early seventeen nineties, but is even spoken about as a presidential candidate. And then finally he you know he departs the scene at the age of sixty three when he dies in June of uh, of, of seventeen ninety nine. So for 30-some years, he's uh, he's active in um, political life during that entire era of the American Revolution.
0: Let's talk a bit about that at the beginning, because that Parsons' cause is interesting. If I have it right, I could have it wrong, if The the Parsons actually went to Britain to get their justice over what they didn't like, a decision that was made by the Virginia government. Yes. And in doing so... Set up a, an early battle in the 1760s: uh, British versus Virginia power and authority.
1: That's exactly right. They took exception to uh, uh, a temporary law that had been passed by the Virginia legislature—a fairly complex legal and, uh, and and economic situation. But basically, it was a temporary law uh, designed to ease the uh, the effects of bad crops on the on the taxpayers, um, and uh, with an eye towards. Fairness, uh, as the legislature saw it, the, um, the Parsons saw themselves as uh, loo- losing out on what should have been a, a windfall in their um, in the payment of their salaries. And, uh, and rather than par- protesting it in the legislature in Virginia when the law was being enacted, uh, there were a couple of these guys who uh, who basically wanted to assert greater church authority, bishops' authority, and and ultimately royal authority. Uh, in the life of the Church in Virginia, and so they took it to the Bishop of London, who had responsibility for the colonies and uh, and he, in turn, was able to get the uh, uh, authorities in england to uh, to overrule the law. so what well, so what happens in 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 the Parsons clause, a series of of uh, legal cases in which the parsons are suing suing their vestries or church councils for back pay is that uh, Henry makes the arguments that a number of the legislators in Virginia did that uh, that basically this was an area in which the Virginia legislature was predominant and that uh, it shouldn't be subject to being overruled or uh, you know modified by parliament and the crown the the timing is such that these arguments over the governance of the church in Virginia um play immediately into the announcement by the Grenville administration that they're going to impose a stamp stamp tax on the colonies. The issues have been, in a sense, well rehearsed in the Virginia political system and it's part of the reason that, uh, you know, that these wealthy slaveholding planters uh, suddenly sound like a bunch of boss radicals.
0: Talk about how persuasive Patrick Henry was.
1: One of the impediments to writing about Henry, of course, is that um, his oratory was a big part of his uh, uh, his political career obviously and you know there's no tape recordings there's no video there's uh, right. uh, oftentimes there's uh, that, that to the extent that we have a transcript of what was said it's um, to one that was reconstructed by people who uh, who who heard him and and tried to put down on paper what what he had said but uh, But what we do have is the reactions of listeners. Henry had been influenced early in his life by one of the evangelical uh, preachers of the Great Awakening, a man named uh, Samuel Davies, who later, he, he was a Hanover evangelical, um, and then later uh, ends his career as president of what's now Princeton University. Um, but, so Henry learned from Davies, who was just a generation later than, uh, uh, than Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield, uh, learned the sort of rhetorical... Style of the evangelical preachers and then brought to it the uh, political output outlook of the uh, basically of the virginia uh, and the, and the colonial leaders and it made for a, a very very powerful uh, thing one of the ironies I think that that I discovered in writing about Henry and his oratory is that um, it's perhaps not his speaking ability that um, that that made him so effective it's rather his uh, apparently a very very unusual ability to to read an audience to uh, to engage in conversation in short to listen and to figure out what wh- you know what his hearer his listener whether it's in a conversation or whether it's in a courtroom or in a jury or a legislator a legislature, uh, to, to kind of figure out where they are and how he can how he can connect to them in a persuasive way and i think of him sometimes in terms of the tv character columbo who (laughs) who seemed bumbling at first and until he'd figured out what it was that he wanted to ask and then he pinned it down and henry had this started slow until he got a sense of the audience and and the listeners and then uh and then there was a point, uh, as, as his followers or his uh, people who wrote about this uh, say, there was a point where he would uh, prop his glasses up on his forehead. And his friends recurred, referred to this as the war can't. And all of a sudden, he would go from just ordinary discourse to transcendent oratory. And it was apparently really something amazing to
0: experience. And uh, as a result of this, we see Patrick Henry as a, as a significant leader, he's really commanding the militant forces of the Patriots in the Virginia area against the then governor right. and uh, also becomes a state governor several times.
1: Yeah, he serves, he serves the first three years as the uh, first uh, elected governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia from 76 to uh, 79, and they had uh, one-year terms and a, and a three-year term limit in the Constitution. So he comes back uh, after the um, after the wars ended. He comes back for two more years in the uh, 1785 and six and seven uh, as as governor. So he serves a a, a total of five terms as uh, as as governor, and then almost 30 years in the legislature, all told, between the colonial and the, and the uh, uh, independent uh, uh, legislature of the, of the state
0: some people uh remember him or in some accounts they say he's a he was a tavern keep but uh is that really true
1: first of all we should define tavern in terms Mm -hmm. of uh of uh 18th century uh virginia and also uh english practice uh basically what they were is they were um, hotels uh they were the ordinaries they were the place that if you were traveling you you could get a room, you could get a meal, you could have your horse, uh, uh, you know, bedded and fed, and you could also get a drink. Henry's father-in-law ran what's uh, what's now known as Hanover Ca- Tavern, uh, which is then uh, hundred hundred yards of Hanover Courthouse in the at the courthouse of Hanover County, um, and um, it was there that he he was living at the time that he um, read law and ultimately passed the bar and. Uh, Oh, there are arguments that go on among his uh, among his descenders and his detractors as to uh, whether or not he was just a common bartender, as some of them would have it, or whether he uh, helped uh, helped his helped his father run the place, which is uh, or father-in-law rather, which is probably closer uh, closer to the truth. But to say that he was a tavern keeper um, um, in uh, in the sense of uh, just slinging drinks. Uh, would would be to misunderstand the, the 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 nature of an 18th century tavern, which was a little bit more like a
0: hotel or a bed and breakfast. And there are some accounts that he was uh, backwoods, but Hanover County really not backwoods per se at this time.
1: That's right. It 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 was definitely um, it was a, a very prosperous place. Um, Hanover is one of those counties in Virginia that uh, uh, that unwisely sent its records to Richmond. For safekeeping during the Civil War, and the building in which they were kept went up at the end of the went up in flames at the end of the uh, at the end of the at the fall of Richmond, at the end of the war. So, uh, so we don't have quite the documentation we'd like to, but essentially, Hanover is uh, on the western um, tributaries of the York River, and uh, essentially, there was a there was a lot of movement of. Really wealthy um, uh, families and their descendants who who went west along the uh, along the line of those rivers, uh, which parallel to the to the south. Uh, you've got the James River Valley uh, sim- inviting a similar kind of western movement. And Hanover was a bustling place um, in the uh, in the 18th century. And in fact, at one point, um, there was talk in the legislature of uh, moving the capital from Williamsburg. Uh, which is on the peninsula between the York and the James, uh, moving it actually to uh, Hanover, some 60
0: miles uh, north and west. And uh, he's very involved, a significant figure. And the fact that he's been somewhat lost to history, again, everyone knows the name Patrick Henry because of the famous speech, but you would almost think for many that he was just a person that gave one speech and then Jefferson and Washington, uh, took over from there, mm-hmm. but really not so. Uh, he was a governor. He, if I, if I'm correct, some of the issues that he would advocate, and you know, he's very, strong supporter of education mm-hmm. uh freedom of religion very much so obviously the patriot cause he seemed to also have a bit more of a belief in the strength of executive power even within a, a, a republican government as strong as a republican he was yeah uh, he he wanted the state of virginia which he had a role in in crafting he wanted that state to have a stronger governor than what it got
1: that's that that's true and in some ways his uh his concern which he expressed in the writing of the uh constitution the first first uh, uh constitution of virginia in 1776 uh his concern to to have a strong governorship was in in part the wisdom of that was proven when the. When the uh, British uh, invaded Virginia at the uh, in 1780 and 81, at the end of the war, um, and it was difficult for the executive branch to respond to uh, to those measures, given the uh, limits that had been placed on its on its power. Henry was, you know, Henry was really prepared to when he was in in office. He was prepared to exert. The powers of his uh, of, of his office um, for what he thought was the good of the the population and the and the Commonwealth, um, and I think it's kind of interesting. For example, on uh, he often gets dragged into debates on uh, on the relative strengths of state versus uh, federal authority, and uh, I think it's really quite clear that although Henry was jealous of uh, letting authority be transferred from from the state to uh, to Congress, just as he had been. Uh, jealous of uh, and 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 suspicious of uh, parliament and the and the king um, this is not a th- th- there's no animus toward government itself um and i think he recognized that one of the ways to have effective government and to defend uh defend uh, one's liberties and stuff was to have a government that was close and 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 honest and uh well run and um um Try to do things at the he saw it as at the at the state level to the extent that one can, um, and 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 in some ways in the 18th century uh, the state government protected the counties.
0: I mean, Virginia was an enormous state at that time.
1: It was. Uh, it, it it was a huge state uh, up until the point where it uh, ceded its. Uh, essentially, it it laid claim to the Ohio Valley, um, and uh, in at the toward the end of the. Uh, uh, revolution, it uh, offered to give up um, its claim to the uh, to the seven states that uh, that comprised what was then called the Old Northwest, reaching all the way up to uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota. Um, it, it ceded those cla- those land claims to uh, to Congress um, in exchange for the other states giving up all of their claims
0: uh, uh, as well. He was a good friend and supporter of. George Washington, also of Virginia, and he had a role much uncelebrated, but you reveal it in in your book of protecting Washington's place as general of the Continental Armies uh, during the uh, during what's known as the Conway Cabal. Uh, Yeah, could you talk about that a bit?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a little known story. what, frankly, Henry's and Washington's relationship is is something that people don't comprehend mm-hmm. uh, or appreciate because uh, uh, one of the things that Henry did, although most of the first three years of the war was being fought in the North, uh, Virginia sent food and and recruits and uh, uh, ammunition and uh, um, you know all kinds of uh, um, material to support Washington and his army and with with henry in the in the governor's chair um henry did a lot of that uh, work with washington and so they really forged a working relationship um during the early years of the war and then as it happens henry was governor when uh, when a a letter came to him from somewhere uh in in north it was a it was an unsigned letter uh this was a practice that some of the um uh some of the patriots had uh had undertaken because they didn't want to risk their correspondence being pu- uh, captured by the British and published in embarrassing ways in the newspapers and stuff. So they would they would leave a letter unsigned um, with the expectation that the recipient would would recognize the handwriting. In this case, uh, Benjamin Rush wrote from uh, the Philadelphia um, um, revolutionary um, wrote from um, from the North to Henry basically um advocating uh advocating Washington's retirement as uh, uh as uh, the commander in chief of the uh, American armies um and his replacement by Horatio Gates uh at this particular moment Washington's um forces were kind of bogged down in protecting uh in, in Pennsylvania and New York and um uh, and it, and the contrast with Gates who had just uh, uh accepted um, Burgoyne's surrender at Saratoga uh in 1778 and, and, and thereby brought the French in as an old formal ally and so on the contrast between Washington's seeming failures and Gates uh, illustrious uh, success had led uh, a group of people around Washington uh, and notably the general Conway to, uh, to to start agitating for Washington's uh uh, replacement to make a, a, a complex story b- very, very 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 brief what happens is that henry gets this letter sees it um, rush thought that henry would join in um, you know to to uh, uh, overthrow uh, washington uh, instead henry uh, writes to washington and says you know that somebody sent me this letter i don't know who it came from but you should know about it uh, washington did, did recognize who it was and essentially scotched the whole thing um, but What's uh, what 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 perhaps is of lasting importance is that uh, Washington, t- in, into the last year of their respective lives, where Henry died in June, and Washington uh, in December of 1799. Into the last year of their lives, Washington was still referring to this act of of uh, of support and uh, and and friendship on behalf of Henry, um, and uh, never never ever lost his faith in Henry's. Uh, inherent uh, commitment to the good of America, even though the two of them uh, could, could not have been further apart on the question of whether or not to uh, ratify the, the new constitution.
0: Now, Washington certainly didn't hold a grudge in that way. If uh, someone didn't didn't attack him personally, differences on the Constitution were were something he was well aware of, and in fact probably sought out to persuade those people uh, more than more than the ones that agreed with them. and he he wanted mm-hmm. to get closer with them, the Richard Henry Lee or the or the Patrick Henry. Uh, but but indeed, Patrick Henry. Um, well, let's start with that. I think I think I want to hammer down on that point a bit because I think it's so significant that his sure. role in the Conway cabal might have saved Washington's tenure as general, and it would be somewhat uh speculation to 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 consider what that might have done to the war. It's hard to tell. The generalship was, you know, such a large war and such a moving many moving pieces. But, sure. um, it's possible that would have had an impact in the war. Certainly in the American Civil War, the changing of generals all the time was, uh, for politics was something that, uh, w- uh, might have hurt, certainly hurt the Union effort. But it certainly would have deprived us if, if he were not general throughout the tenure, he probably wouldn't have been president and certainly would have deprived us of a first president, maybe a president of the Constitutional Convention and, and everything else goes from there. So what, so what a role Henry played in that.
1: yeah and I, I think you know military historians recognize that uh, Washington was playing a long game mm. uh, and basically recognized that he had to he had to keep his army in the field without losing <laughs> um, and uh, uh un, un, until such time as the as the British finally had had enough and uh and of course uh, that's 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 what he did over a sustained period of time and there are always uh, i suppose the people who want you know who are impatient and want it uh want want something uh ended with one decisive swoop yeah washington was playing the longer game and and then as as many people have have pointed out what what made washington extraordinary in world history uh, is that after successfully um, leading the army uh, to to victory in the American Revolution, he stepped down and went home as as a private citizen um, rather than uh, seizing power as you know as as had been the history of of so many other other places in other times uh, going back to the Greeks and the Romans. Uh, that's not to say he didn't involve himself in and you know continuing to want to make sure that the that the revolution um, um, was successful but uh but but uh, but he was prepared to uh, uh step down from from military and to uh, decline um, you know political office until such time as uh he was basically called back to pres- as you as he said to to preside over the writing of the new constitution and then um it was pretty well uh agreed upon by everyone that uh that he was the only figure who could possibly um, um, serve as the first president,
0: and uh, perhaps Patrick Henry could have been the second one, as you referenced earlier.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, that's an interesting wrinkle that uh, uh, that that uh, was you know is, is is skipped over, I guess. Henry basically by 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 1796, which is when Washington announces that uh, two terms is enough, and uh, uh, and and so the uh, the uh, election of 1796 of ends up with uh, John Adams as, as president and Thomas Jefferson as, as vice president. Um, Henry was uh, was much talked about as a uh, as, as a as a regional candidate and and for that matter, um, you know one of the one of the names that people um, did recognize uh, in in all of the in all of the states rather than just uh, you know knowing knowing their local. Uh, uh, their local dignitaries and eminencies, but uh, uh, Henry was talked about as a as as a possible candidate for president at that time. Uh, the uh, electoral college w- rules were different than they are today uh, in that the um, whoever got the first the, the highest number of votes would become president and the second highest number of votes became vice president, which is what happened with with uh, adams and uh, and Jefferson, although by the 1790s, of course, America was going toward a a, uh, a system of political parties that the uh, that the founders in Philadelphia uh, did not foresee and uh, and probably were disdainful toward. But uh, and and Henry certainly did basically when he got word that people were thinking about him as a presidential candidate. By this time, he's not in good health and uh, has already declined uh, all kinds of offers of federal appointment um you know the, the supreme court and ambassadorships and this and that and the other that uh, that washington offered to him but he's not in good health and he basically publishes a letter that gets reprinted uh through throughout the uh up and down the east coast um basically saying i uh, you know i i don't want to be a candidate for president because uh, he did not want to play the role of uh you know a spoiler uh Uh, you know, a a, a Ross Perot, if you will.
0: A reminder that I'm talking to John Kukla. His book is Patrick Henry, Champion of Liberty. Patrick Henry is a very, comes off as a very empathetic, very nuanced person, a person that was a good executive, could read situations well and make a good decision. He knew how people would think he knew and he had the people behind him. I wish you would talk a bit about how that comes into play with the issue of slavery. He wasn't totally opposed to some kind of solution in terms of slavery or ideas that might even be advanced or liberal for his time and his place in Virginia, but he certainly wasn't an abolitionist.
1: Correct. One of the things that I'm proud about having accomplished in this book uh is uh fleshing out a clearer picture of Henry's attitudes towards slavery over the course of his uh over the course of his life and uh, I was I had the good fortune to uh uh to find some um uh some documentation of his interaction with uh uh with a number of Quakers who were uh who were seeking um to uh, uh fight against slavery uh, over the course of uh, 30 years the many of many of them are at, in the Quaker archives at uh, at Haverford College outside outside uh, Philadelphia. But Henry Henry began. We don't we don't have any written um, commentary on slavery from Henry until. The late 1760s, by which time he's already in his 30s and active in politics. So we don't we don't have boyhood musings, and and partially that's because uh, the, the the family records, the family papers, uh, probably burned in a mansion fire in, uh, in 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 early in the 20th century, but. But Henry, uh, what, what what we do know is what Samuel Davies, that influential evangelical, and his and Henry's uncle, uh, who was uh, an Anglican minister, we 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 do know very clearly what what they were saying about slavery in at the time of Henry's youth, and it would have been typical for most Virginians, which is basically that slavery was uh, was the, the, nothing nothing sort of nothing wrong with it. Gosh, it's in the Bible. Uh, but it was the responsibility of slaveholders, by by this view, uh, basically to treat their slaves well, uh, teach them to read, so, and and bring them to Christianity. Um, so if that's the perspective that uh, you know is prevailing in Virginia in the 1730s and 40s when Henry's a young man, what becomes interesting by the 1770s. Um, is the uh, is the fact that by that time Henry has decided that slavery is a is a bad thing in general for the state and more particularly um, in uh, in 1773 in an exchange of correspondence that was uh, that that was well known and and has been well known for 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 years um, Henry declares that slavery um, is evil that it is a that it is a sin that the that there's no legal or moral, uh, or even religious justification for slavery—that it is wrong—and um, yet, in in a letter that I regard as uh, uh, as admirable, not necessarily for all of its sentiments, but certainly for its candor, um, Henry refers to the fact that he ha- that he not only owns slaves, but they are slaves of my own purchase. In other words. Um, Unlike some of the Tidewater aristocrats who could say, you know, gosh, our families had slaves for four generations. What a Henry saying? I am complicit in slavery. I have purchased slaves. Um, And yet it is wrong. It can't be defended on any moral or legal grounds. It's just it's this just the 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 way things work here um, in this fallen world. Um, He continues to hold that perspective um, up until uh, the, the last sentiments that we know, of, it, it, as his, in the 1790s, when he's basically retiring from politics. By this time, his position is slavery is wrong. It is uh, it is repugnant. It's something that the uh, that the North, as they as we enter into a stronger government and start arguing over how to how to pass taxes and stuff. It's something that the North will naturally. Come to oppose and to attack uh, because it's so repugnant it's evil it's nasty it's awful um, and 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 therefore it's going to become under attack and yet you know what can what can we do about it He did not participate in the belief that colonization um, you know that that uh, the establishment of what becomes the establishment of liberia and and transporting um, um, African Americans back to uh, back to the African continent that he, he didn't see that as something that was uh, at all workable. Um, and so ultimately he comes to the position that so many, tragically, that so many um, um, Southerners did in the 18th century, which is basically um, it's, it's wrong. Um, I don't know how to get rid of it. So what we can do is, is treat them well, <laughs> teach them to read, and bring them to Christianity.
0: One of the things that he seemed to be uh, very much for is when Virginia attempted to put a ban on say an absolute ban on even freeing a slave if a, if a master wanted to uh, free a slave at the end of their life or when when the state of Virginia interceded in some cases or attempted to to ban that, it seemed like uh, several sometimes at the insistence of of his, the Quakers that he met with, or just on his own, and he would oppose those efforts. In other words, at least preserving the avenue that uh, some s- slaves could be freed.
1: Absolutely, and 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 he was he was in support of. Uh, he he gave some legal counsel to this uh, Quaker, Robert Pleasants, who uh, who who made an early ex- uh, experiment at. Um, Freeing the slaves that that Pleasant owned, he 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 wanted to free them and let them give them land and see if they could uh, you know make it make it as independent small independent farmers. Um, and Henry seems to have been involved in in uh, giving Pleasant's legal advice on on that sort of thing. I I like to point out that you know for all the 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 well I don't know if I don't I like to point out one one must I think you know dealing with with uh, with 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 the horrors of slavery um i think i think one must recognize on the part of the revolutionary generation that although they did not deal with slavery as effectively as we might wish uh, nevertheless we look to them for having basically declared that it is wrong um, and there's a sense in which uh, unlike for example in the uh uh, in the years leading up to the Civil War, when there was an argument put forward by a number of Southerners that slavery was somehow a positive good, the revolutionary generation had no illusions about that. Slavery is an evil, wrongful thing, um, and in that sense, they're setting the, the moral standard by which we judge their failure to do anything.
0: I think that's an interesting point, an important one to make. It's so often brought up that there's this great contradiction between the statements made by the revolutionaries and uh, liberty or death or uh, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness and the practice of slavery. But they weren't unaware of that contradiction. In right. a lot of cases, they could have been braver. Certainly, they they deserve criticism from moderns. But of course, we are moderns, and we're in our situation. So that criticism has to be limited by that 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 fact. It's inescapable. While they certainly failed to exercise or 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 even even get something going where there might have been a, a pace out of um, or phase out of, right. of slavery.
1: Right. And and I think what you were pointing out in terms of like uh, issues of manumission, the, mm. the 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 right of a slaveholder to um, to to free his own slaves, um, um, that that's that's one of the accomplishments that uh, Henry was certainly in agreement with, and and in and in fairness to the 18th century Virginians at least, um, they were uh, they were adamant in closing off the slave trade, the uh, the importation of. Of, uh, of 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 more enslaved persons into into North America although you know um there there are some cynics who would say whether you know there were there already were already uh, a, a sufficient labor force in uh, in Virginia and Maryland uh, as opposed to uh, the Carolinas for example that were adamant in the, in 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 extending the slave trade for at least 20 years
0: yeah it's certainly a tough issue uh you one tends to think that perhaps our hopes that perhaps uh, ending the slave trade plus manumission, plus some colonization, perhaps all of these, uh, some compensation, all of right. these measures, uh, if the revolutionary generation's mindset had continued, might have led to a better outcome. But later with the new attitude and the new generations and the expansion of slavery, that, uh, that yeah. unfortunately those ideals didn't, didn't persist.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's, I, th- I think one of the things that that, that this kind of discussion um, should inspire in a thoughtful, um, you know, reader or or, or, or citizen is uh, is is a, is a recognition that uh, that 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 the revolutionary generations uh, faced some intractable problems and uh, and and didn't didn't solve them um, uh, and failed. Uh, but but I, you know that that's a that's a fair judgment but uh when we look at ourselves um there are plenty of plenty of things uh that uh, where, where 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 we too fall short in uh uh you know in 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 doing what we what we may know is right or think is right
0: I think that's a, it's an excellent observation. They, these were mortal people, uh, with political problems, very complex political problems. One of the big debates, of course, was the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Patrick Henry figures in to that. He was adamantly opposed to the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Uh, he opposes it at the Virginia Ratifying Convention and, I guess uh talk, you could talk a bit about that and then also is is that the reason perhaps that he's not well known in history do we kind of black out the the people who oppose the constitution
1: I think there is a bit of a tendency to celebrate uh uh the, the the advocates of the constitution in in Henry's case uh however I think one of the things that separates him from the prominent Virginians that uh that we do remember uh, is the fact that aside from two years in the Continental Congress, in the first and second Continental Congress, uh, in, the, in the years right before independence, um, Henry never held uh, national office. He was always uh, in, in, in state office, um, and uh, and and as a result, um, I suppose, in the same way that, uh, well, let's say that that if John Hancock hadn't had a distinctive signature, uh, we might mm. not remember him as prominently because he didn't go on to. You know, to become a president or a major senator or something like that under the under the under the the government that uh, you know the the, the, the present constitution. Um, but yeah, he was uh, he was he was absolutely uh, um, adamant in wanting um, modifications amendments. Uh, made to to alter the what he found was the problems of the Constitution as it had been written in Philadelphia. And in the background of that, and I tell this story in the book. We don't have to go into it now. But but in the background of that, there were events going on in the in the seventeen uh, in the seventeen eighty five and six where uh, Congress was contemplating um, uh, in, in terms of in, in the context of negotiating a a a trade treaty with uh with Spain Congress was uh some some congressmen were were contemplating uh surrendering the uh use or the right to navigate the Mississippi River and Henry saw that as being a kind of a uh sectional conflict um and a betrayal uh that caused him to be a great deal more suspicious in 1780 you know two 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 years later Uh, When the Constitution was written and ratified, he was a good deal more suspicious about um, the uh, possible uh, antipathy of uh, Northern interests as opposed to what he saw as Virginia's um, best interest.
0: And yet, uh, later in his life, uh, the the kind of last chapter, Mm -hmm. we think, uh, you know, we've, we've now set up Patrick Henry as opposed to the Constitution, And perhaps that means uh, opposed to the Federalist Party and with kind of the Jeffersonian Republicans. But yet when Washington calls on him and asks him to run for uh, Congress, I believe, uh, he runs with a special message that perhaps could be a message for for all of us that this party system is wrong and you have to unite, and he actually comes out and runs as, if not a, a proclaimed Federalist, at least a supporter of the party that's in government, uh, of the government, and against the kind of Jeffersonian Republicans and, and Madison and and that lot. Yeah,
1: I mean it's a it's a terribly uh, vituperative and uh, divisive time. The 1780s in general in, in, in American politics, and and it's it's in that context. Uh, it's made worth by by world events because, of course, uh, England and France are are uh, uh, and their allies are all engaged in the um, in in the wars of the. Uh, of the, of the French Revolutionary era. So, so, it, it, it in terms of the, uh, um, kind of, uh, what, uh, a climate of opinion, it's almost like, uh, what we experienced in the first half of the 20th century with the Cold War. That kind of, you know, that kind of, uh, just divisive, uh, uh, world situation and then some divisive politics at home. And, and, um, H- Henry, uh, like Washington, basically didn't, uh, uh, and it didn't ever warm to the idea of uh, of political parties, um, and so when when the parties were uh, were hammering at one another, he saw that as uh, as, be, as being something that could be uh, could could be very damaging. And when Washington asked him to basically uh, run run for office as a moderate. Um, that was something that he. That was the only person in the world that could have called Henry back into politics, and and basically he. That's that's what he spoke for at at the last uh, uh, the last election, where he made a made a speech uh, uh, in at, at Charlotte Courthouse, um, calling for unity and warning that uh, as, as somebody as, as he as he put it in the that we have of that speech, um, you know if 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 people want to overthrow the government, uh, first they should try to. Change things by constitutional ways, uh, you know, by, play by the rules first, because as he saw it, um, the risk of overthrowing the government was that you would end up with either anarchy or or tyranny. Um, in 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 many respects, of course, this is exactly what happens a few years later when uh,
0: when Napoleon declares himself an emperor. I think it's just uh, if there was a movie to be made of of, of Patrick Henry, a significant movie. It just makes that speech at the courthouse just makes for a a, a good final scene, I think, because uh, after his message, that's his last couple of months there.
1: Yeah, and and that's that's actually, that's characteristic of uh, of a, a good deal of his career. Um, there's a there's a there's a moment at the end of the ratifying convention in, in Virginia in 1788 where Henry Henry is lost by 10 votes, and Virginia has ratified, mm-hmm. and a bunch of disgruntled anti-federalists get together to basically uh protest and henry is called to, to meet with him and he says gentlemen we have made our case in the constitutional way in the in the forum in which uh we, we we should we have made our case we have lost it's time for us to go home
0: and that's uh an important moment for the the the, the confidence uh that would be in the constitution yeah it it really does uh uh, seem like America has has in a sense lost the at least a full picture of a founder and uh, one that's probably closer to that word than than many others um, and by doing that of course, this is my history can beat up your politics we're always looking at the impact of history of politics of today it just seems like we've lost a a potential model maybe for so many things uh, the proper role of of government um, on 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 one side of the debate, but maybe perhaps right in the middle, and also issues like education and uh, uh, voting rights and so many other issues. Uh, perhaps we we've lost a model, and um, perhaps this book, which is John Kukla's Patrick Henry, Champion of Liberty, will will set the record straight. Hope so. Uh, John, thanks for coming on. My history can beat up your politics.
1: Absolutely, this was fun.
0: I want to thank John Kukla for coming on the program, and keep in mind that you can support the program by subscribing to the Premium Podcast at www.myhistorycanbeatupyourpoliticspremium.com. You'll get bonus episodes. In the last episode, we talked a lot about Andrew Johnson's impeachment and didn't get time to delve into some characters, Dr. Anthony, the firebrand, abolitionist, and newspaper publisher, Samuel Pomeroy the senator who chided Edmund Ross for being corrupt, but may have been just as corrupt as he. And going back in the time machine, Luther Martin, the lawyer for Samuel Chase, who also attended the Constitutional Convention and had some criticisms of the impeachment clause that are interesting to hear given the two centuries of history. So we look at all of that in leftovers from the Impeachment Podcast, available on the premium podcast at www.myhistorycanbeatupyourpoliticspremium.com, including more about the story of Andrew Johnson's impeachment, www.myhistorycanbeatupyourpoliticspremium.com. It's not too late to get $25 off with your first purchase with our sponsor, Bombfell, unique styling service for men, dot com slash myhistory.